it's a difference between doing the right thing and doing things right. Sometimes people are so committed to doing things right, but it's not the right thing. So I, I think that's an important differentiation to make as well. Are we doing the right thing? And then are we doing things right? Welcome along to the Asset Guardian podcast, where we explore the discipline of asset management throughout New Zealand and speak with industry leaders to learn more about the innovation and challenges in today's evolving world of technology, infrastructure and regulation. My name is Josh Pope, and I'll be your guide on this journey into the world of kaitiakirawa and asset management. Welcome along to the next episode of the Asset Guardian podcast. It's my pleasure to welcome along our guest today, who is Tracy Masson from Tamaki Regeneration Company. Uh, Tracy has a comprehensive background in asset facilities and project management. Tracy's career extends from consultancy to working with the Ministry of Education and to Auckland Council, where she spent over seven years involved with different roles. Uh, these roles include Principal Specialist for Strategic Planning and Development, Asset Planning Team Leader, Principal Facilities and Management Advisor, and Senior Program Coordinator for the Asset Risk Assessment Program. <laughs> she has spent three years on the board of Comet Te Hononga Akaranga, which is an independent charitable trust focused on providing better and fairer education, skills, lifelong learning for all Aucklanders. Uh, she's currently involved with the Tamaki Regeneration Project, and I'm very excited to have her on the show today. Kia ora, welcome Tracy. Oh, kia ora Josh, tēnā koe, uh, tēnā koutou katoa e whakarongo ana i tēnei rā. Uh, ko taupere te maunga, ko waikato te awa, ko pōta tau te tangata, he piko, he tanifa, he piko, he tanifa. Uh, ko Tracy Massam, ahau, te pau heringa whairaua mō te āsi. Kia ora. Hi, hi Josh. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm Tracy Masson, the um, in English it's the asset manager, but actually I, I prefer the te reo version, Pauheringa, um, for Tamaki Regeneration Company. And we're based in East Auckland, just for those that don't know. Um, and thanks for inviting me to do this. I'm a little nervous, so you may have to bear with me in places. You're very welcome to be on the show today. No, it's good to have you here. And thank you very much um, for introducing yourself and uh, especially in te reo. Uh, I hope I got the pronunciation correct there. I sort of stumbled yep. a wee bit, but. <laughs> oh, good. You so pulled do, it back well. Thank you. Thank you. Um, do you want to maybe tell us about uh, your current role and sort of what's involved with that? Yeah, yeah, sure. So um, if I just explain a little bit too about Po heading a fight hour. So lucky enough choose my title uh, <laughs> uh, and so I chose that one um, and again lots of things I do have a deeper meaning or a purpose behind them so uh, a pose is like a post it's, it's something that um, I guess if you if you close your eyes and you think about it it's sort of a pole a, a, a something fixed solid into the ground so it's like a hitching post I suppose um, and it's where other things attach themselves to and around so for for me poheringa is sort of like that knowledge repository right where things gravitate naturally to where things come to um, are held and used as treasures as taonga um, data information etc plus also knowledge and wisdom that's gathered across an organisation all sort of sit within my title. Um, and so the interesting thing about Fairawa is about a future focus. It's not a now thing, it's a later thing. And quite often asset management is hard because it's not a thing 
that you always see immediately, a change. It's something that happens over time, a very long time, as a matter of fact. So I've chosen that title purposely as a knowledge repository in, in a place where we design today for what we want in the future. Um, so my role at TRC is about purposeful asset management planning. So we always take everything back to our purpose, the, our reason for being as TRC, which is around families, around whānau. Um, so that's kind of the general gist of my role. The other sort of Less important bits are we've got two and a half thousand houses. These are public houses or state houses um, that I look after. I'm accountable for them. So, you know, I, I don't take that mental lightly as being accountable. Um, and I share that responsibility with our operations team, with our FM team, with our tenancy managers from a real, I guess, solid relationship around service and asset working well together. Um, one of the biggest things I think for us too is we have really good solid levels of service, which is sort of like asset planning nirvana, right? To have levels of service. And we have them in different ways. We have them technical component level, levels of service, because they're easy to track, measure, put targets around them, et cetera. But also the really hard ones around health and well-being and how you monitor or manage, you know, um, improvement and whānau health and well-being over time. So, yeah, that's a little bit about me. My role is kind of all-encompassing sometimes. Um, and sometimes, on purpose, I step over the line of what is my role to get a better understanding of the pain points for our FM manager, the pain points for our tenancy managers who work directly face-to-face -face with our fam with families in Tāmaki, just to get that sense of a, a whole rounded job role um, as opposed to just sticking strictly to asset management. That's amazing. Thank you so much. And that's one of the reasons I'm really excited to have you on the show today is hear more about, um, you know, the impact of asset management, facilities management, your role on the communities, you know, for people, for far now, like, um, and and how that sort of affects and the importance of that. But um, before we get into that, uh, I, I'd like to try and introduce my guests sort of on a personal level to our listeners. Um, so, just wondering if, if you weren't doing your current role, is there anything else that you may may have done or, or may have liked to, to do? Other passions you may have followed? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a funny thing. Out of, straight out of high school, um, I got accepted to Auckland uh, College of Education, Teachers College. Um, my mum and dad both taught in Kohangareau, and so it was kind of whether I did it to myself or they did it to me, I don't know. But, you know, I was going to be a teacher no matter what. Um, and I think in my first year I realised, crikey, I don't really like kids that much. This is not great. Uh, I don't know how I'm going to survive here. Um, and obviously I didn't. I, I left Teachers College and, and got straight into working. Um, but what I kind of realised much later on in life is that um, – Education it doesn't just start at, at sort of naught to five and then so on and so forth. You can pick up education at any stage of your life. Um, and what I've been lucky enough to do is uh, some work with Auckland Uni, with AUT, uh, and with a friend of mine from Notre Dame University in the US is get to teach a whole bunch of students, um, is to run sort of lectures, um, to have input into papers and setting up programs around asset management as well through different schools of engineering and I really enjoy that one because they're older, they're not little kids. Um, but two, 
you know, you have those light bulb moments, those little bits of magic in someone's eyes when they go, oh, I get it. You know, I've never got it before. It didn't make sense in the way that someone had taught me years ago or, you know, explained more recently. But sometimes in the way that I explain things around connecting people to things, things to people, that they actually get it. Um, so, yeah, that's the magic bit that I've enjoyed. And I realised, gosh, actually maybe maybe as another career option later on is getting back into more teaching um, through lecturing um, at universities, etc. And I think one of the most exciting things um, I've been doing, so I really don't like public speaking. I realise I'm on, you know, Spotify right now. However, that being said, I used to shy away from presenting. But the last few years, actually, I've had to do it a lot more because I realise if other people don't see me do it as I am as a woman in asset management, as a Māori woman in asset management, then how will they know that, you know, maybe I can give this career a go? Maybe it's okay. Maybe it is for me. Um, you probably know this, but the majority of people I see in this field are older white men. Um, so also I have to stand up and present to kind of break that chain as well. So yeah, I just like the little bit of magic in students' eyes where they go, I get ya. Yeah, no, that's that's amazing. I can definitely understand that. It's certainly something um I enjoy doing as well, you know, whether it's a colleague or, or somebody else learning from you or, or uh, you know, maybe a new graduate or something starts and that you to see that development and those light bulb moments as people grow and and sort of uh, start to put the pieces together themselves, it, it, it's really exciting to see. So that's really cool. It's uh, I, I really enjoyed that answer. It, you know, I was going to ask as well, sort of what you find exciting about. Well, I guess it's a different question. You know, what you find exciting about asset management planning as well. Yeah, I um kind of funny in the past I used to kind of be happy to be in the background just planning away um, but also that's not where the fun stuff happens in the background it is actually talking to humans talking to people and going but why why didn't that work you know what what was the reason for that um, I, I think I'm quite lucky in, in TRC where I also get to hold the pen on what is our new build design standard so I get to hold the pen on the maintenance of the existing stuff on the on the long-term planning for the existing homes once we get them but it's really important to hold the pen on anything new coming in because you get to decide all that cool soft landing stuff, right, how it enters the portfolio. But more importantly, you get to decide what's good in a home um, and also what's good for the families that we have coming into our home. So you can make them a little more bespoke. Um, so I think another light bulb moment that was quite exciting was walking around with the developer um, explaining why the design standard asks for specific things. So we ask for wider doorways, we ask for a few other extra bits and pieces. But the reason is that lots of whānau that come through this, this system, through social housing, actually have bigger stuff. They have bigger furniture, they have bigger families. And, you know, if you design a stock standard doorway, you're not going to fit a bed, king-size bed with a big frame or a, you know, three-seater L-shaped sofa or, you know, there's reasons for everything in that design standard. Um, so again, it's important to be the holder of the pen in many instances, but it's also just as important to sit back and actually actively listen to what families want and need. And I think the exciting thing is 
when you question the why and you kind of, you know, you may not get the answer the first go round, but you keep working with whānau, you build that trust and then they actually tell you the why, the actual reason why they ask for things. And there's always a good and valid reason for the why. Um, so again, yeah, really exciting to be at both ends of the process, the end-to-end process of new houses and older houses out being decommissioned and everything else that sits in the middle. Um, and there's a lot of power in being at both ends of that process to determine what good looks like. And I think the key thing is to put that translation in writing, uh, to put pictures to it around, you know, when I say this, this is what this means. Um, I think a really good example, example weird example is um you know a lot of modern laundries are quite small quite petite um and it's an expectation that families can afford a stackable washer dryer or a washer dryer combo but actually those are not our families they come with again big kit probably a dryer from the 70s that I know most people in Aotearoa had at one stage um and it just keeps going and going and going so if you imagine trying to hang that sucker on a wall, uh, a jib wall, and a brand new home and a laundry, it's just not going to happen. Um, so again, always reasons why we design the way that we design, what our spec is, um, but also to make sure that we can hand them over and we can actually put them into our asset information system as well. So say all of these... <laughs> All of these weird and random things, right? Someone asked me the other day, oh, how can we make asset management sexy? I actually think that all that stuff that we just talked about is the sexy stuff because it's the why of asset management. Yeah, and you've talked about a couple of good things here, you know, and the questioning that why sort of comes back to acting on purpose itself. Again, you know, the, the reason for doing something, but also being able to question, you know, the reasons for something helps you to understand the picture better, helps um, possibly your customers, clients, or, or, you know, whoever else is involved mm. in the process to understand a lot better as well. So your role sounds like incredibly exciting, especially being able to engage with the communities and different whānau and, and having their input as well and, and really understanding your clients' needs at the end of the day, you know, and I think that's a lot about what asset management is about, right? Because a lot of well, everything that we do is in service of some kind of community, whether it be, you know, from my industry, the, the, you know, the poles and the wires and, and bits and pieces like that to, to community, you know, the, the, the housing and the, like you say, the, the doorways or, the, or the, the, the specs of the laundry, you know, it's all for someone at the end of the day to serve a purpose, right? Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's really important to, I think, how do I say this? So it's about people's lived experience. If you've if you've come from, you know, having a lot of money, many of these things will just not make sense to people. You know, oh, but why can't you just go down the road and get a combo washer dryer? It's only three and a half grand. It's all good. But actually, you know, some people don't see that as, as spare cash in 12 months. They wouldn't just never be able to do that. So, so yeah, it's it's also a way of creating a little bit more equity as well, just so that whānau don't feel stink about saying, oh, I just, I can't afford that. You know, that now there isn't that question anymore because whatever they come with is what they come with and it can be installed into their, into their whare, into their home. Because, again, that stink if you've got to say, I, I just can't, and I can't afford it. Um, so we don't want them to have to have that conversation we don't want them to feel 
that way. Um, we just want them to come as they are, bring what they need to bring, and the home is ready for them, ready to go. Yeah, that's amazing. It's so incredibly important, especially now with you know the likes of the the cost of living crisis and you know greater expenses of uh, you know power or building materials and all those sorts of things that can have an impact. You know, to be able to um, lessen that burden, I suppose, you know, has such a huge value to people's, uh, you know, sort of mana or the way that they feel, it, you know, it's, yeah, mm. very valuable. Mm. What, what, what do you think is maybe some of the biggest challenges sort of in your industry, sort of your world at the moment and for the future going forward? Yeah, I, I, uh, there's a lot of challenges, right? From um, you know finding people to to actually do um, do that mahi from um, resources, you know even just getting fencing timber or you know a sheet of jib to finish off one small portion of a wall um, can be quite annoying at this point in time. I think um, for me personally, though, I, I get a lot of calls from other other people that I know in the similar industry. Um, and it always comes back to, you know, the question may be different, but when you unpack and you go, but why, how come that didn't? It always comes back to the same thing is that their organization's purpose is not as clear as it could be or should be. Um, so, you know, they're kind of faffing around trying to trying to make a, a, a square peg fit in a round hole to kind of, you know, be able to make a case for funding. Always money, always comes back to money. You know, I'm trying to write a business case for X or Y or Z. Um, but, the you know, coming back to purpose, once... I think once you actually get a better sense of your purpose, once you get to do that testing, have those really robust conversations within your organisation, but also within yourself, you know, you have to actually agree the purpose to do the job properly, where you're kind of a little half-hearted, it doesn't quite settle or resonate with you. I think it really shows. Um, we always talk about bringing your whole self to work. And I love that at TRC we do that. You know, we we argue in different languages. We 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 fight in in different ways that are probably foreign to many. Um, you know, we cry a lot in the office because you know there's that really deep sense of commitment and service behind everything that we do. Um, I don't know if many people have seen their CE cry, but we've definitely seen ours because. It's something she believes wholeheartedly in, and you know we always ask, okay, cool. Well, you know, how can we, how can we help? How can we better provide our services? So, I think with a lot of friends ringing me, they're stuck because they can't equate their work to their purpose. Whether it's clear or not is a different story, but they can't just make that that one to one match. So, I think it's really important for other organisations to do that with their staff, and then just to let it settle, and let their staff kind of go, yep. I'm in this 100% or actually it's not me anymore. I've changed, it's changed. And I think from there things work a lot smoother. Um, you're all on the same waka, you're all on the same journey. You may get out at different points in time, but at least you're travelling in the same direction. So I think the direction of travel um, for a lot of people that ring me is where they come unstuck. They're not sure if they're on the right, right waka anymore. 
if it's the right place. And I think there was something in the paper a little while ago, I won't say what the entity was, but a lot of their levels of service, their KPIs were actually quite perverse. They weren't measuring the right things. Um, so for me, a lot of what I do is make sure that we're measuring the right things. Um, there's a little quote, my annoying previous CE, who I actually love dearly, said to me, it's the difference between doing the right thing and doing things right. Sometimes people are so committed to doing things right, but it's not the right thing. So I, I think that's an important differentiation to make as well. Are we doing the right thing? And then are we doing things right? Um, and so, again, a lot of those friends that are really sort of asking for some help, advice, they've realised that the places that they're at are not, they don't mesh anymore. Their values have changed, the culture's changed, and they kind of jump off the waka. And that's actually quite cool that they've realised that that it's no longer for them. Um, I can't imagine being in a role where I'm just half-hearted about it. It would show, I think, every day on my face and my work. Um, but that's quite a nice thing that people are finally realising, maybe COVID has done it, I don't know, that actually things have changed, values have changed, and they want to get off. And I think that's important to acknowledge that that's okay. It's a great reset, and at least individuals have decided to reset themselves. Um, in most cases with my friends, they've decided it hasn't been decided for them. That's yeah, a really that, odd answer, isn't it? No, Sorry. That's No, that's perfect. I, I, I know exactly what you mean because I've gone on that same kind of journey myself over the last two years now. I think that, you know, the organisation I was working at, they had um, bit of a shift in direction, put a very strong focus on purpose and and throughout the whole leadership community there. And it was trans transformational, you know, it required a lot of uh, internal reflection to really say, well, what, why do I act on, you know, certain things or, or, or what is it that drives me to really understand that purpose, question the, the reason for doing something. And, um, you know, like you say, if you you do that and you soon realise that you go, this these two things don't match anymore. Well, that's actually a good thing. You know, you can move on and and, and move into something that brings you a lot more fulfilment. So um, I think that's great. And I, I'm really pleased that you mentioned that. Um, I, I actually did want to just maybe shift direction a little bit there and and hear uh, maybe some of the advice that you give those people that, that bring up and, and maybe any advice to the listeners if they are finding themselves in that space where, um, you know they you know how do they find purpose if, if you have any advice on, on that <laughs> oh yeah i'll i'll answer it in a slightly different way um so purpose so my purpose for coming to trc for staying you know as long as i have and for wanting to continue on the journey with trc is um is partly to do with our purpose and my individual purpose. So um, my brother, Osh, who may hear this one day, my brother um, got really sick in our home, in our whare in Papatoi. Uh, he got rheumatic fever. And so, you know, he's a lot older now. He's fine now. But the reality is at that time, it was a little known thing, rheumatic fever. It's actually quite common. Um, but people have to know what to look out for and just uh, seeing the change that it made within my whanau, seeing my dad berated in a hospital while his son looks so sick near death kind of thing um, and the 
you know, finger being pointed at him, you know, you, you did this or we did this as a whanau. Um, so that's a, a, a system, you know, that's the health system in action for you. Um, but again, you know, TRC, we do own, again, 2,500 homes. And so it's my desire to do better for those whanau. And it doesn't take a lot necessarily. It takes money and time, yes, and a planned approach, yes. But, you know, we can make those homes a lot warmer, drier, healthier um, for the older homes. And we can build better with our new homes as well. So, so thinking about my brother and what happened to him but what happened to us as a whanau gives me that that drive that purpose that reason for coming to work every day to put those programs in place which are quite hard because we didn't have really planned programs before um you know people kind of going oh where's this work before are you sure we can do this you know the proof is in the pudding now and it's work working beautifully but it was a lot of extra extra work so i do tell this story quite a lot because it does resonate with a lot of people. They kind of go, oh, I don't I don't have that same feeling. I don't have that same connect to my work. I feel like if I just left one day, you know, I, I'd feel I'd be fine about it. But I wouldn't. You know, I I get up every day. I work really hard. Um, I can see my brother and my father and a lot of work that I do. Um, and we came from a home, just like the homes that we fix up now in TRC. Um so again, telling the story really does make a lot of my friends think, you know, do I feel that same connect? Do I feel that same aroha and passion for the work that I do? And quite often, you know, some go away thinking, no, I don't. It's time for a change. It's time to go. Um, I think one of the really beautiful things it can do as well is the exact opposite. It reaffirms people's commitment to their mahi, it kind of gives them an extra spark to go, yeah, I, I lost that somehow and all the busyness of doing the work that I lost sight of that that purpose and it hasn't changed and I still feel really connected to it. I just kind of forgot and I needed you know, a little bit of a reset. Um, so I think it's beautiful to tell those stories um, and I do it because it does resonate a lot with people, um, but it's also my way of reaffirming for myself why I'm here and why I do what I do so so yeah hope, hopefully that helps um but but on a slightly different tangent similar similar story um and it was one of the questions that you might not ask so I'm kind of going to answer it anyway and it's the one around what I wanted to be when I was a kid um so you heard about my brother but when I was little I actually didn't want a lot like most people I wanted to grow up I actually just wanted to grow up, right, to live, um, to be an adult at some stage. Um, that's a little bit deep, right, but also to be seen and heard as a person. So where I come from, where I grew up, um, yeah, it was kind of hard. We kind of looked at like the lesser, right? So it's really interesting. That's why I love working in the place that I work now because we we definitely are not the lesser. I don't feel the lesser anymore, um, but it was how we were made to feel growing up as a kid. And even at school, being told, oh, don't bother with that subject. You'll never use it. Okay, well, that's, you know, that's fine. Um, but actually, I use math every day, whether I like it or not. So, you know, 
Thanks to those people, whoever those people were. That's normally the other way around, isn't it? Normally the kids are saying, I'm never going to use this, you know? So Yeah, no, I, I wanted to learn everything I could. I wasn't the best student. Um, and although I didn't know what I wanted to be, I also didn't want stuff taken away from me just because someone thought that I wouldn't use it. Um, so, again, it kind of comes back to why I stand up and do lots of presenting and stuff because uh, most of the presenters in asset management look nothing like me. So it's also my little way of saying I'm here, <laughs> um, you know, and, and you've paid, so you're going to listen. Um, and it's really important for me to tell these stories because I think um, – and even in my work career, right, I remember being so excited. My boss had said, oh, you go to the meeting for me. I can't make it. So I get, you know, it's a fancy boardroom and I'm sitting there waiting for others to arrive. And someone thought I was the cleaner, you know, wow. and said, oh, you need to, you know, are you done yet kind of thing. I go, oh, no, no, I'm here for my boss, you know, so-and-so. It's just kind of like, uh, oh, you know, that is, I, I – they still make me feel like the lesser. The interesting thing, though, someone told me is actually only I can do that, feel like the lesser. It's not what they do. It's what it's how I choose to think and feel. Um, so, yeah, I completely turn myself around and kind of go, well, actually, you will see me now and I will present. Um, you will see me and I'm, a, you know, and I am a manager. So, actually, I do know most of the things that I talk about but yeah it's really interesting and I think you know all I want to do is just show other young women that they can do whatever they choose to do however they choose to do it as well so kind of circling back to another comment around a whole person so I try really hard not to distill or filter myself and my experiences as well and so that's all I wish for other people is that they don't have to feel like they hide bits away and only bring a professional sort of face to their work um yeah my family arrive as we are warts and all um with some swear words from time to time but I think that's the most important thing to feel comfortable around how you work how you deliver your message who you work with um but most importantly yeah just that level of comfort in one's own skin. Absolutely, yeah, and that's such an amazing journey. And I thank you so much for you know sharing that because uh, it's sort of my hopes that you know through this podcast we can uh, get more people into you know the likes of asset management or you know, back to sort of what you said before, so kind of make it sexy. And you know if we if it sort of reaches younger generation and and younger women and inspires them or or even younger Maori to um, you know. Like you say, be more comfortable in your own skin. You know, you you have the power to be able to um, make that happen for yourself, or even you know potentially reach out to someone like yourself uh, as as say a mentor or or um, guide or, or or somebody to lean on as well. So, uh, yeah, I thank you so much for sharing that journey, and um, I, I hope that uh, it inspires some of our listeners. Um, just on one final note, is there any uh, advice you would give to perhaps those current or, or future asset managers out there coming into the industry? Um, oh, yeah. I, I think my advice would be to make to make friends in the industry because typically for me, they were the only ones that really had my back for the longest time. Um, you know, weaving te reo Māori, te ao Māori through asset management, I think early years people just looked at me going, oh, you're nuts. 
it's not going to work kind of thing. So, well, you know, I'm going to give it a go. Um, and without the support of some really good friends behind me and some really great colleagues as well, I think I might have gone, oh, man, this is really hard. I don't think I would have given up, but it might have taken a little bit longer. Um, and I think it's a quote of sorts I heard um uh, I saw on YouTube an amazing, amazing um, wahine Māori who said, who reminded me of something I already knew, not to drink with dicks. <laughs> that kind of makes sense. So it's kind of going the other way around, you know, be careful who you're friends with. Make friends with really good people who will have your back if something goes horribly wrong. Um, it's the same as, as in asset management, I think. Just find those people that... Um, that you really connect with, that are on the same page with you um, and hold them really dear to your heart because, you know, it's really hard to find some good colleagues, friends, mates in the field of asset management. Um, but, yeah, I just – I really like that it resonated because growing up, a lot of people in my field, yep, you'll catch up with them, but actually um, they're not helpful relationships sometimes in asset management. So – yeah, I think that's the biggest thing for me is learning as I get older um, who my people are, who my real tribe actually is, um, and staying true to those those people as well. Awesome. Thank you so much for that, Tracy. And I really appreciate having you on the show today. And uh, <laughs> we hopefully I'll have you back on uh, maybe in some future episodes. That's awesome. Thank you.